Hi, this is John with Prodigal Church. We're so glad that you've downloaded this week's message. Our online ministry has enabled people from all over the world to access our weekly teachings. We're so grateful for you, whoever you are and wherever you are. For all things Prodigal, download the Prodigal app at your app store. And if you consider Prodigal Church your home, would you consider donating monthly at our website, prodigalchurchfresno.com. Thanks again for listening online. Now let's dive right into this week's teaching. Well, happy Father's Day, Prodigal Church. Somewhere in the middle of America, a pastor was leading his church on Father's Day. Now, this pastor was in his mid to late 70s, and some of the words, as you can imagine, that he grew up using have changed quite a bit over the years. And when he was a kid, his mom used to wash her pantyhose in the sink and then hang them in the bathroom to dry. Has anybody's mom ever done that or anybody seen that before? Well, that's how this pastor grew up. And so he would go into the bathroom and his mom's pantyhose were all over the place. And so many, many years later, on Father's Day, he is preaching at his church and they were doing something that a lot of people do, a lot of churches do. They would acknowledge who has the most kids. Uh, some churches still do this. Uh, they were recognizing the dad with the most children. So uh, father raises his hand and he receives his reward on the church stage and he gets to the stage and the pastor says, you won the award for the most kids. How many kids do you have? He says, I have eight. The pastor says, well, what's the breakdown? And the dad says, well, I have eight girls. And the pastor, oblivious to pop culture, says, eight girls? That's a lot of hoes in the bathroom. Things change. One of the greatest joys in my life is being a dad to Dex and Ivy. It's so fun. Nothing has taught me more about God and his love for me than being their dad. So today on Father's Day 2023, I'd love to share some of these connections. The first is provision and protection. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in their barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And why do you worry about clothes? Now, in the first century, when people were worried about their clothes, it wasn't because they looked in their closet and they're like, I have nothing to wear. No, it was because they literally had nothing to wear. Okay, so Jesus continues. See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Some of us are worried. Some of us have anxiety. Okay, let me rephrase that. You are worried about some things. You have anxiety about some things. And Jesus here in, in the Sermon on the Mount 
speaks directly to you about your worries, about your anxieties. And when he does so, he uses the father-child metaphor. He says, your dad knows that you need these things. Your dad knows that you're worried. Your dad knows that you're stressed. Your father knows that fear is crippling. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers in the field. They do nothing and I provide for them. They have no power, I protect them. So God says to you, you're my daughter, you're my son. How much more will I protect and provide for you? My son Dex is almost 10 years old. And in the summer of 2019, we went to Wildwater Adventure Park lots of times. He loved every moment. And I'll never forget the, the first smile after going down a certain slide. And then his head coming up from the water, smiling from ear to ear. And that summer, Dex was 46 inches tall. And to go on all the rides, okay, the big boy rides, you've got to be 48 inches tall. But on the last day the park was open in the summer of 2019, I snuck him on the rides that he was too short to go on. Okay, Sarah wasn't there, and that's why I was able to do this. He loved it. He couldn't wait until next summer when he was finally tall enough to go on all the big boy rides. The next summer happened to be, I don't know if you remember this year, 2020. So when COVID hit, Wildwater kept pushing back their opening date. Further and further, they were gonna institute this new reservation policy. And Dex would ask me on the daily when it was going to open. And then finally in July, it became apparent Wildwater Adventure Park was not going to open this year. I remember where we were when I broke the news. We were driving in my truck at a stoplight on Fowler Avenue, and Dex asked again, Dad, when is Wild Water going to open? And I said, Son, because of this sickness, it doesn't look like Wild Water is going to open this summer. Immediate tears, okay? Immediate. Like it was raining or something. It's like supernatural that the tears came out that fast. He looked up at the sky and he said, Dear God, why did that man have to eat that bat? I'll never forget. Of course, I held back a bit of laughter, but you know, I, I realized we're in the middle of this global pandemic. Millions of people had lost their lives, their jobs, their, their minds. And my son is worried about a wild water park. But as his dad, it still kind of broke my heart. And so as we got closer to the next summer, the summer of 2021, I changed my homepage on my computer to Wild Water's website. Every time I opened the computer, I checked when they were opening and when the reservation system was gonna be up and running. And I took them to get our season pass, to get our pictures taken, and when the park finally did open, we had the time of our lives. Now, even though in the grand scheme of things, a water park isn't that big of a deal. But it became a big deal for me, his dad. Why? Because my son was thinking about it every day, and so I was thinking about it every day. Why? Well, because I love Dex, and I desire his happiness, I desire his joy, I desire his life to be filled 
with love and laughter. So it is with God. Our Father provides for the birds of the air. How much more does he love you? Our God dresses the flowers of the fields. How much more will he clothe you? God changes his homepage for you. He's thinking of you. He desires good things for you. Remember that. Let that resonate when you're worried and you're filled with fear and you're filled with anxiety. God is thinking of you and he desires good things for you. The second thing that I have seen in fathers is gentleness. Galatians 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The Greek word here for gentleness is prautis. It means gentleness or, or, or meekness, but meekness is not weakness. It is power that is restrained. It is a soothing quality that calms anger. It responds to the sharp edges of another individual with a kind of powerful calm. The famous Greek thinker Aristotle says, Prautis is the ability to bear reproaches and slights with moderation and not to embark on revenge and not to be easily provoked by anger but to be free from bitterness and contentiousness. Gentleness is not passivity. You are not gentle just because you're not mean. That's not enough. Your gentleness is shown by how you interact with people. So the person sitting off in the corner and saying, well, I'm not gonna do anything, or the person who is ignoring other people, okay, you're not being mean, you're just kind of being in your own space. You don't qualify as gentle until you begin to interact with others in a way that says, I wanna serve you. I wanna offer my strength in a way that helps your life become better. You are gentle in how you interact, not in withdrawing from interaction. Gentleness or meekness, it's not weakness. It is strength that serves. It is power under control. This is what fatherhood should be. Okay, this is a photo of a St. Bernard. When I think of St. Bernards, there is something beautiful about them because he's strong. The, the dog is very strong, but the dog interacts in a way that says, my strength is on your side. They're some of the kindest dogs in the world. It's not that he's weak, like that he couldn't hurt a fly. No, 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 he could hurt lots of things. He's huge. In the 80s, they tried to make a horror movie uh, and make the St. Bernard vicious, okay? It's called Cujo. Okay. But it didn't work because it's hard to picture them vicious. Uh, gentleness goes beyond saying, well, he's calm. Gentleness is this breed designed for rescue. They, St. Bernard's have this lineage of being rescue dogs. In the Swiss Alps, they were known to rescue hundreds of people stranded in avalanches. They, they, they said that they have this internal wiring and monks started using them in the 1700s at the St. Bernard Pass where the St. Bernard Monastery is. 
hence the name. They don't even have to train them. They just allow the puppies to grow up with the adults and learn what it means to care for people. They could sniff someone 20 feet down below the snow. They would dig them up and then they would lay on them to warm them up. And this is something that they would just do naturally. They did not have to be trained to do so. Gentleness doesn't just say, I'm not a vicious person. Gentleness says, how can I use my strength to help? It is, in essence, I'm strong enough to serve you. And let this be an appropriate image for Father's Day as well. And I have seen this in many ways in my own father, uh, using his strength to serve. And I have seen this quality grow over the years in the ways that he loves my mom, his kids, his grandkids. My wife's dad, Dave, is also a great example of this. I have two great examples of gentleness and fatherhood that I too can show to Dex and Ivy. But gentleness isn't just a fruit of fatherhood, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So it's something that we as followers of Jesus, whether you are a dad or not, or whether you are a male or a female, we need to be showing strength to serve. How are you showing gentleness in your own life? That this should be our attitude in our family relationships, but not just our family, but in every relationship. So with that annoying aunt who always wants the latest gossip, we show gentleness. When our children need discipline, how can we use our strength to help them? When our spouse makes a comment that you have a great comeback for, can you respond with kindness and gentleness? It, kindness, gentleness, this strength to serve, it's like peanut butter on a sandwich. The more you spread it around, the better things stick together. And so lather that peanut butter all up on your family. And finally, following Jesus is caught, not taught. My daughter starts kindergarten in a couple of months. And so let's go back to kindergarten together and play a little game. It's kind of like Simon says, but I'm not Simon. Okay, but everyone here just kind of do as I say. Now, if you are only listening online and not watching, this illustration may not work, but just try and picture it, okay? Everyone put your finger in the air. Now, wiggle it around like you're kind of saying no. Some of you guys aren't doing it, do it, okay? Now, I want you to give a little bit of spirit fingers. Now, I want you to then put your hand in a fist and put it right up on your cheek right on your cheek, right on there. Now, I know that many of you put it on your chin because that's what I'm currently doing, even though I said, put it on your cheek. You see, it is much easier to follow what you see rather than what you hear. It's easier to do what I do rather than do what I say, to listen to what I say. It's true for Simon Says, it's true for all of us, and it's true with fatherhood. The scriptures give us numerous examples of children following the negative examples of their dad. First Kings 22. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. Jeremiah 9:14. They have walked after the imagination of their own hearts and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. I'm telling you, dads, parents, if you blow it, 
If you fail to live in a Christ-like way, you will pass that cycle on to your children. The character qualities that we reproduce in our kids are usually the ones that they see in us. So you can teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. You reproduce them physically. Okay, there's a reason why my children look at least a little bit like me. Luckily, they get their looks mostly from Sarah, but when Ivy was a baby, she probably had a little bit more of me than I maybe would have liked. But my kids, they resemble me because they have my DNA. But you don't just reproduce physically, you reproduce spiritually. You reproduce your character qualities. And also, our kids know who we really are. You can fool a fool, but you can't kid a kid. They know who we are. They know who you are. I have two kids. If my two children each have three children, I will have six grandchildren. And if those six grandchildren ha each have three kids, I will then have 18 great-grandchildren. And if those 18 great-grandchildren have three kids each, I would have 54 great-great-grandchildren. Now, if you add all of those up, it is 80 descendants just in my own lifetime. Do the math yourself. So if you model Christ-likeness in your marriage and in your parenting, you are impacting more lives than you know. What do people see in you? What do your coworkers see in you? Do they see gentleness? Do they see someone consumed with worry and anxiety or someone who trusts that their father knows what they need? Are you modeling Christ-likeness every day? You are impacting more lives than you know. I read an article this week from an adult man reflecting on his own childhood experience with his father. He wrote, once when I was a teenager, my father and I were standing in line to buy tickets for the circus. And finally, there was only one family between us and the ticket counter. The family made a big impression on me. There were eight children, all probably under the age of 12. You could tell that they didn't have a lot of money. Their clothes were tattered and torn. They were clean, but they were not expensive clothing. And the children were well-behaved, all of them standing in line, two by two, behind their parents, holding hands. They were excitedly kind of jabbering about the clowns and the elephants and the acts that they would see that evening. One could kind of sense that they had never been to a circus before. It promised to be a highlight of their young lives. Their father and mother were the head of the pack, standing proud, as can be. The mother was holding her husband's hand, looking at him as if to say, you're my knight in shining armor. And he was smiling and basking in pride, looking at his bride. Ticket lady asked the father how many tickets he wanted. He proudly said, please let me buy eight children's tickets and two adult tickets so I can take my family to the circus. The ticket lady quoted the price and the man's wife let go of his hand. Her head dropped and the man's lip began to quiver. 
The father leaned in a little bit closer and said, how, how much did you say? The ticket lady quoted the price again. The man didn't have money. How was he supposed to turn and tell his eight children that he didn't have enough money to take them to the circus? And seeing what was going on, this author tells of his dad, my dad put his hand in his pocket, pulled out a $20 bill, and dropped it on the ground. Now, he says that, that we weren't wealthy in any sense of the word. But my father reached down, picked up the bill, tapped the man on the shoulder and said, excuse me, sir, I believe that you dropped this. The man knew what was going on. He wasn't begging for a handout, but he certainly appreciated the help in a desperate, heartbreaking, and embarrassing situation. He looked straight into my dad's eyes, took my dad's hands and both of his, squeezed tightly to them and the $20 bill. With quivering lips and tears streaming down his cheeks, he replied, thank you. This really means a lot to me and my family. Thank you. The grown child writes, my father and I went back to our car and drove home. We didn't go to the circus that night, but we didn't go without. What a father that man was. What a godly illustration of Jesus. Thank God for all of the fathers who have been godly illustrations, examples to follow. I'll close with Irma Bombeck's description of her dad. She writes, one morning, my father didn't get up and go to work. He went to the hospital and died the next day. I hadn't thought that much about him before. He was just someone who left and came home and seemed glad to see everyone at night. He opened the jar of pickles when no one else could. He was the only one in the house who wasn't afraid to go into the basement by himself. He cut himself shaving, but no one kissed it or got excited about it. It was understood that when it rained, he got the car and brought it around to the door. When anyone was sick, he went out to get the prescription filled. He took lots of pictures, but he was never in them. Whenever I played house, the mother doll had a lot to do. I never know what to do with the daddy doll. So I have him say, I'm going off to work now. Then I would throw him under the bed. The funeral was in our living room and a lot of people came and brought all kinds of good food and cakes. We had never had so much company before. I went to my room and felt under the bed for my daddy doll. When I found him, I dusted him off and put him on my bed. He never did anything. I didn't know his leaving would hurt so much. God is like a good mother and God is like a good father, wanting to give us good things, constantly providing for us, even when we don't behave all that well, strong enough to serve, always loving sacrificially, no matter your relationship or lack thereof with your earthly dad. God made you, God loves you, God cares for you, God helps you, God teaches you, God adores you. God, I pray that we would know and experience the great love of God, the great love of the Father who knows what we need, that you clothe the lilies of the field and you provide for the birds of the air. How much more do you love and care for us? God, let us 
Lean into that. Lean into your love and may we show Christ likeness and gentleness in all that we do and say. We need you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. We hope you have an amazing Father's Day. Grace and peace.